On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. Oh, I'm not high. I, I just... That, that's what I don't... I didn't, <laughs> I'm not high. <laughs> I'm not high. Uh, From the TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada, this is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. There's only so much time we can kill here Before we start to spit out Here's your host, Light the Candle, Matt Robinson. Away we go on another week of the Talk In Audio podcast. Matt Robinson along with you, alongside Graham Preach. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Talk In Audio, Facebook.com slash Talk In Audio. Make sure you're subscribed to wherever you're hearing us right now. Creature, what are you saying today, man? Just wrapping up a beauty weekend with some beauty weather and uh, a terrific podcast. It's uh, about what I'm saying right now. All right. All right. We like that. Uh, what did we just hear you crack into? This is, uh, so I've, I was having beers and among other things by the pool all day. So I was going to go with like, uh, just among like other a things, longer. I, like I was going to get a red stripe when yeah. I was like, nah, it's, it's the talking audio podcast. It has to be like some kind of local craft beer. So I went with blood brothers, which I used to order a ton, uh, throughout the first year or so of the pandemic. And I haven't had a lot lately. So pick some up at, uh, Cheshire Cat the other day, and uh, yeah, I'm drinking a keg deals and kickbacks from Blood Brothers. Oh man, that's a hell of a name. I like the sounds of that. Uh, you used to be, yeah, the first couple times you were on, you were all about the uh, the Blood Brothers. You, you were bringing that in a big way. Yeah, I still kind of am. I just, yeah, we haven't, I had a group of, uh, I don't know, there were seven to 10 of us that would put an order in at like all these microbreweries across Ontario throughout mm-hmm. 2020 and 2021. And then it's, it's slowed down. Like I don't, I can't tell you the last time we did an order. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we often did blood brothers. Um, but I haven't, uh, and there's a couple, they have a couple options available at the LCBO now, but um, a couple of I, my favorite ones aren't available there. So, but the cat is uh, a great place. If you haven't been to the cat, not only is their food and, and their drink and everything great in their location, but um, they have a pretty good craft beer fridge uh, carrying products from all over. Just grab Ontario, whatever you want, so. eh? Nice. Yeah. Uh, you're going to outshine me here, man. I know you know what these weekends are like. The weekend kind of gets away from you. It's been a while since you've stocked up and uh, you kind of get into the back of the fridge. And uh, believe it or not, yes, this fridge does have a back to it, a, a back row of things that have been uh, pushed all the way. I got something from Mill Street here, and I am going in 
I don't know, man. I'm not stoked about it. It's it's just one of those ones. You're like, all right, let's give it a go. It's late on a on a Sunday, so uh, this is their watermelon wheat. And uh, as you said, it's watermelon been, wheat. Yeah, it's been hot as hell. Watermelon's blowing up, eh? I know it's become a big thing, and I'm only sort of like, it's fine. Like I'm not excited about anything watermelon. I'll give it a shot now and then, but uh, yeah, this is their watermelon wheat. It's 4.5 percent out of Mill Street. Uh, you tell me, man. Are we still counting? Mill Street is craft beer. They've been bought up by Labatt, but they've kind of got that foot in the, you know, the original world. Where do you stand on Mill Street at this point? Ah, uh, sure. That's that's where I stand. <laughs> I don't uh I'm not going to call anybody out. That's um not yeah, judging sure. This tastes like oh. Coors Light with a little watermelon flavoring. That's what this tastes like. Yeah, I haven't had any of the watermelon drinks, but I've noticed whether I'm in a grocery store or LC or wherever, uh, lots of stuff is watermelon flavor right now. Yeah. No, this is not, uh, this isn't good. Uh, <laughs> I also have, I, say, I know you as like a, uh, I know you, you led with the fact that it's been a long, hot weekend, but yeah. usually you're drinking something darker. I know, man. Or, and, and if I had it, I would, but, uh, like I said, the fridge is hurting right now. It needs to top up. I need some work done. Uh, I need to do one of these orders, maybe from blood brothers, like you're talking about here, but, uh, do it. Things are scarce after a couple of hot summer days and, uh, yeah, hanging out with a couple of people outside and, uh, you know, everybody's doing their best to, uh, to pass the summer along. Luckily, you know, I'll give this a go, but, uh, I also brought a little, uh, a little rum and Coke in here with me that'll, uh, carry oh. us through the show. Cause, uh, like we said, we're winding down a, a big weekend, man. Got something we want to get to here in a couple of minutes that I, I, I'm surprised. I had this already on my list of topics I wanted to get to on the Monday morning podcast. And uh, your Instagram story told me that you were the perfect guy to discuss this with. We'll get to that in just a second. I want to let the good listener know that on Wednesday morning, our buddy Chris Hoffley is going to be back on the show. And he was going to be coming with a member of Red Black's management in tow. But I get the sense that things might be a little tense right now around the Red Blacks front office. And so it will be just our buddy Hoffley this time. We will, uh, we'll push, uh, we'll push the guest back a little bit. Uh, I don't know. People can read into that what they want. Um, it's not been a good start for the Red Blacks, man. I know you didn't get a chance to check out the entire game, but they drop another one still winless on the season. Vibes got to be getting rough around the Red Blacks front office. Don't you think? Uh, are we, are we getting close to, you know, we'll be looking at any kind of changes here. This one was tough because obviously Masoli goes down. Um, you're scrambling at the last minute. But this week, now you're going into a short week. You're going to play Montreal on uh, on Thursday. It's not getting any easier right now for Ottawa. Yeah, I would. I would say it, how could how could you not be? How could not how, how could he not be? Or uh, several people, I guess, be on the the hot seat yeah. with uh, with the way the the season started. And and I know. I, I, I don't know. Maybe some people are of this opinion, but I'm not. I, I'm, I don't care about the close losses. I don't care about the injuries. Like I, I know there are reasons, yep. uh, not excuses, but reasons, but we're, we're talking about a, another season that's got off to a start like this. It's I'm done with it. It's, it's unacceptable. And, and I know that they, it's not like I found last season, hard to watch. Like I, I'm watching a game and I'm like, Oh, here comes eight consecutive two and outs and <laughs> punt. And I just, that I defense though. It's painful. got a good defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good D good special teams. Yes. There you go. I found it very hard to watch this year. Like at least like they're in games and they look like they can start to kind of put it together, but it, we're talking about another loss at the end of the day. So what's the appetite? What's the, 
how long is the leash? I don't know. I, I would think that it's getting hot. I, I know uh, my boss, JR, uses his uh, burners, four burners, <laughs> to yes. evaluate yeah. the heat in a situation. And I would say this one's got to be three or four. At you... least three burners on at this point, for sure, on that hot stove, man. And I, I'm sort of with you because, like, it was a rough start. They they revamped everything. They brought in a, a total, like, totally overhauled the offense and gave Lapo some tools there to get things going. And there was almost like this sort of built in, you're starting the season, the first two games against Winnipeg, you're like, that's going to be rough, but you know, you'll, you'll have some patience there. It's understandable. And they played Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg tough in both of those games. And so you sort of felt pretty good coming out of that. Like, all right, they're going to be fine. And then they've just continued to lose. And yeah, I'm sort of with you that, you know, it, it's reasonable to say, look how close they've been. It's reasonable to go, well, Masoli went down and they didn't have much time to get that straightened out. And, you know, we'll see whether they're going to use Nick Arbuckle. Like all of these things in a vacuum week to week would be reasonable. But they've won- lost like 16 of their last 17 home games or something like that. Like how long can that continue? I know it's now a new general manager. Um I, I'm not necessarily expecting that Lapo's getting canned this week or anything like that, but they can't. The patience has to be just wearing completely thin. I would imagine. How could it not be? And and you, you, the loss is to a team that hadn't won yet either. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of talking about. Oh, it's a good thing they're in the East because yeah. uh, they're not out of it. Like, yeah. yes, that's true. The division leader as two wins, but uh, like the record is Oh, and five again. Yeah. No, you're right, man. And and they've done a nice job over the the last several years uh, or since this franchise got up and going of building a nice loyal fan base. People were willing to be patient when they got started. Didn't have to be patient for long because they got off to that great, uh, you know, the first season was rough, but then they were immediately contending and it's, yeah, it's now been, we're into our third season of just, Oof, and that's spread over four years, obviously, with uh, with no season in 2020. It's it's getting hot, man. I, I wanted to ask you, you said you were away at a concert this weekend. And uh, yes. based on what I saw on your Instagram, uh, the person you saw was actually making some news. But uh, tell everybody where you were, man. How was the show? Yeah, I was in Montreal to see Roger Waters. Um, it's my fifth time seeing Roger. Wow. I think uh, Pig Floyd is... Is my favorite, uh, definitely in my top three. I think it sometimes, depending on my mood or whatever, there's things changing around. But uh, mm-hmm. but no, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan and and big Roger fan. And yeah, saw went to Montreal with a buddy and uh, and saw Roger Friday night in Montreal. Love that city. I, I love being there. I love the the feel of it, the vibe, and and just going to an event. And in this case, obviously a concert. Like it just it it's like another level. And I'm not like taking shots at. Ottawa or Toronto yep, or, or yep. whatever, but the, the fans there, they just, I don't know, they show an appreciation for the artist that, um, it, it, I don't know, it's special when you're there to, to take it in and, and you can tell that the artist appreciates it as well. Yeah, I, I've heard nothing but good things about seeing live concerts there at uh, at Bell Center and, and whatever. I've I've never done that. I have seen a punk rock show at Parc Jean Drapeau. Uh, I'm not sure that's quite the exact same thing, but uh, yeah, it, you know, you, it's one of those places. I got buddies who've seen Maiden at uh, at Bell Center. I've got uh, you know Rob's on the show all the time. He's seen uh, the Black Keys up there. Um, you know, a great place to see a concert. That Ottawa and Toronto just it's just not quite the same. Did you happen to notice 
that uh, that Water Rogers was locking horns with a couple of uh, Canadian icons this week. I, I hadn't until you sent me the link. Okay. Actually, yeah. um, I, I was very unplugged this weekend. Like uh, just taking the whole weekend in, whether it was at the concert or um, we we uh, hosted some people yesterday for uh, for dinner and hanging out there, and then hanging out by the pool today. Like I just I wasn't really attached my phone this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so I, I hadn't noticed it until you sent me the link. Uh, so I did read that. Yes. So we'll, uh, we'll share that in the show notes and, uh, on our social feeds, but, uh, I guess Roger wasn't thrilled with, uh, the amount of attention his show in Toronto was getting last week in comparison to the weekend. And, um, not really sure that I ever would have thought I would be talking about those two guys in the exact same sentence. Um, but I guess like he was a little disappointed that the weekend was getting so much more attention than his show. And you know, the weekend, obviously certain, certainly a huge act right now, obviously in a different genre, but also a homecoming, right? Like he's obviously going to make news in Toronto whenever he comes back to play a show. And then almost lays down this drive by on Drake too, that, uh, you know, I'm I'm bigger than these guys. I'm a bigger. I don't know Roger Waters like Pink Floyd's just not a band that's ever really been on my radar. Is he? Is Roger Waters known to be kind of an asshole? Like, is he normally arrogant like this, or was this out of character? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's Roger. Um, but I and I got to admit, I like I, I read the the complex or the piece in complex, yeah. and, and and it's written like it takes the quote and and then starts discussing streaming numbers yeah. and stuff. And I, and I, I don't think that's what Roger's intention was like, I, and I'm not even like, I just agreed that Roger can be an asshole yeah. for sure. I, I'm not, I'm not going to, Oh, I'm going to stick up for this guy because I, I love Pink Floyd. <laughs> um, I, I think Roger's point was, and if, if you know Roger at all, if you've ever seen one of his shows uh, it's, it's very political. In fact, he, he started off the show Friday night saying, Hey, I got two requests uh, before we start. Number one, put your, your phones away so that you're not disturbing the patrons next to you. Sure, and number yeah. two, if you're a Pink Floyd fan, if or if you're a, oh, I love Pink Floyd, but I hate Rogers politics fan, then you can fuck off and go to the bar. So, because <laughs> so he, he and, and I think what his point of that, the inter, the initial interview that the quote was taken from mm-hmm. uh, was, was just about that, that there's more important things going on because his new his new material and not only his new material when he's playing like older classic Pink Floyd stuff, um, there's messaging and, and images and stuff on on the video screen about what leaders have done and yeah. and he's talking about Palestine and um, and all of the, the all of the presidents dating back the last five or six presidents like mm-hmm. he's 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 often bringing stuff up like that like there was an image of. Well, every tour stop, I, I think, or or several tour stops that he made, he he'd have a image of that city with the with a name a name of someone that died, and so he he Minneapolis or St. Paul, George Floyd, right. and its cause of death being black. Like so, that's an example of of things he he pushes. He's laying it right out there for you. Sure. That's how I feel. Yeah, and, and and so his point, I believe, in wherever that quote was taken from was discussing that not like the weekend. I'm a better artist than the weekend and album sales and streamings and all that stuff like that. That's not, he wasn't comparing himself musically to the weekend. Even maybe, maybe he was a little bit and 
I think if you go back in, in history, I, I, I would say that Pink Floyd probably <laughs> <laughs> has a little bit more on the weekend than Drake. But right now, <laughs> no, like if, if you're a 20 something going to a concert, like for the most part, you're you're going to see Drake or the weekend, sure, not, yeah. not Roger Waters. Well, and I, the, I don't think that was his point. And the one thing that they laid out there that was completely unfair to Roger Waters here's the Spotify streaming numbers. You're like, you know what? There's a sizable portion of Roger Waters fan base that doesn't have Spotify, right? They're listening in very different ways than people who are listening to Drake and the weekend. And um, that's not to say that, that some of his fan base, obviously like yourself or whatever, isn't using streaming services, but that isn't traditionally the way people fell in love with Pink Floyd, right? So to compare his current streaming numbers to someone who's still one of the biggest artists in the world in, in the weekend or Drake, it's not a, it's a fairly disingenuous comparison too, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. But no, that's, that's Roger. (laughs) How was the show? That's Roger. I was solid. It was it was my fifth time seeing him. It wasn't my favorite, right. but keep in mind he's seventy eight. Yeah, like he. So I, I wasn't expecting it to be, but it was still great. Like he puts on. He's known for putting on a tremendous show and and just everything that goes into it with with the video and the lighting and and flying pigs and shit like that. Like he, <laughs> like the shows are always incredible. Like you get goosebumps thinking about it. Um, and and yeah, it was great once again. And again, it wasn't my favorite, but. Again, he he was seventy eight. Like I, I love to. Sorry, I, I should I should rephrase by saying it wasn't it wasn't my number one Roger Waters experience. Right. Which one was I that? Still really Tell us about it. number one. Uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna make you rank them, man. I you know what? The other the other four are very close. So the 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 first time was Dark Side of the Moon. That like that's what he came to do. So he he arrives and he plays. Uh, where was usually it? what he does? Uh, this was actually 2007 in Ottawa. Okay. Yep. And uh, he, so what he does is he'll play like 45 minutes and take like a 15, 20 minute intermission, then come back and do another two hours or whatever. Sure. Uh, so he comes and he, he, he plays a collection of new stuff and, and old stuff. And then he take an intermission then came back and just did um, dark side of the moon front to back. Nice. And then, he came and did the wall. I so I saw the wall twice, and that was incredible. Just because like he builds a wall on the stage, and 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 just the stuff that he has in the wall to make the show uh, is is just incredible. And the wall falls down. Like it's uh, it, that was really cool. And then the the most recent one I'd seen until Friday night was Animals, and that was uh, that was awesome too. So I, I would say like the four of those. Like I don't know if I could pick one. Uh, but they all are very, very close. And they're all ahead of um, this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and those are always disappointing, right? Like I, I remember seeing, for me, I saw the hip 11 times, right? Like that's my favorite band. And I saw them here in Ottawa in um, 2013, I think. It was the second last time they were here, third last time they were here. And they stunk, right? Like I left that night going, I don't know where this fits out of the eight or nine times I've seen them, right? And like, I don't know what order I would put those in, but this is behind all of them, right? Like sometimes it's just, it's still your favorite band. So you're like, it's good, but it's not anywhere near where I know they can be, right? And so sometimes yeah. that can be a bit of a bummer, but. Yeah, and I, I don't mean to present my experience Friday like that. It yeah. just it just didn't stand out as being the, the best one that I saw right. kind of thing. But it was it was good. It was a great weekend. Love being in Montreal. It's a great place like to just 
party in general, right? I remember going up there for, we've talked about it before on the podcast, going up there for a UFC weekend and the city just has like a buzz to it, right? When there's a big event in town, like it's just got a feel to it. It's, that's a little different than almost anywhere else. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about the Jays? I know you didn't get a chance to see much of this weekend series, but I know you had a handle on it coming in. Uh, Kansas City was showing up with 10 regulars out of the lineup who had chosen to be uh, still doing their own research, I guess, on uh, on the vaccine thing. And so we got pitchers. We got, I believe their starting catcher was injured. Second and third string catchers were both unvaccinated. And so their fourth string catcher came up from uh, AAA. Uh, on Thursday night, they had the a double-A starting pitcher throwing to their AAA catcher. Like, they showed up as just a total gong show and won game one. And I remember going, this is really going to happen, isn't it? We're going to do this thing. <laughs> Every one of my favorite teams that I've ever watched play anybody that seems horribly overmatched, you're like, yes, we got them. And it never pans out that way. Now, the Jays do string together uh, three wins in a row after that. They finish the uh, the first half with 50 wins, uh, seven games over 500. So they are uh, they went 5-1, and one, I believe, on this homestand after going 1-6 and six on their road trip. We're at the All-Star break, man. What letter grade would you give the Blue Jays as we arrive here? Because they came in with an awful lot of hype. They're still in okay shape. They're holding down a playoff spot. There's a lot of space to go. You know what? They haven't all clicked yet, which means when they do, this team's going to be great. But that's also reason for some concern and that they're not all clicking yet. And what's happening there? What's Where do you stand on the Jays at the All-Star break? You asked for a letter? Hmm. Give us a I, letter. I, I feel like I want to go in the C's. Yeah. But because, like, I, I don't know if I'm going to, though. Just because they are holding a wild card spot. So I, I'm going to maybe a B minus just because as as underwhelming as it's been and the expectations we all had and like just the excitement level, okay, this team's going to be a playoff team and they're yeah. going to win hundred games and this and that it, it's obviously hasn't met those expectations and there's been whatever with the pitching and the hitting and, and any, like anything we could pick in the injuries, mm-hmm. um, the firing, like there's a number of things that have been disappointing, but they're in a playoff spot. So I, 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 I gotta go B minus. I think. Do you know what I think is is hurting, well, me and a lot of people, is they're doing fine. They could be better and everything, but the Yankees are just ruining everybody. And they're at like 63 wins right now or something. And so even if the Yankees were like three or four games ahead of you right now, when you didn't think they would be at the beginning of the season, you'd be like, well, that's still doable, right? Like I could still go out and get that done in the second half. If, uh, you know, with some solid moves at the deadline and, and just, you know, some of the guys starting to, to play a little closer to their potential, but this division is over. Like they've taken it, they've run off with it. And I just don't think anybody, I think a lot of us expected the Yankees would be there in the playoff picture, but I did not expect them to be 13 games better than the Blue Jays at the All-Star break. And so even when you try and look on the bright side with the Jays, you're just like, yeah, but it's over. Like they're so far behind the division winner at the All-Star break, man. And I think that's ruined yeah. the perspective for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, that's fair for sure. I, I just, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm optimistic because I've like 
typically it, it hasn't been the case this year. And I think, um, I think it's just the Stanley Cup playoffs in my opinion were so good. Yes. Um, and, and just for a living, I I'm, I'm speaking about the games is like, I, I watched like every single game for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I really like, I was paying attention to the Jays, but I, I can't say I was really watching pretty much the, like the duration of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, so I think I'm just optimistic because in the past, like I'm watching 100, 120 games a year, yeah. Uh, like like the like full ball games, and I've got I've, I've as you have I've watched a lot of pathetic, <laughs> mediocre baseball teams. Yeah. So if there's just still for me the excitement there that okay, well if you look at uh, their hits and their runs and their average and their uh, on base percentage and their slugging percentage, like everything is, is the top of the league. And then you look at the, the pitching yeah. and uh, the ERA and the batting average and hits and runs and whip and everything They're They're in the bottom half yes. at, at best. So are they going to make a move and, and acquire depth either in the pen or, or a starting arm or whatever? Like I'm just optimistic that like it'll get better. And and yes, there are guys that have gone through slumps offensively, but but as a as a whole, the offense like they're still scoring and right. uh, and they're still producing. So I, I'm optimistic that that they'll be fine and, and probably not catch the Yankees no. unless they get injured and fall off the cliff a little bit. But I'm <laughs> I'm optimistic about the season still. Well, let me put it to you just a slightly different way then before we move off the Jays because uh, you know you were kind of back and forth between B and C. For me, it's a C. I, I think Vlad can be better. I think Bo can be better. I think Springer can be better. Teo can be better. Although Teo in the last you know month or so, I think there's only one guy in uh, in the majors with more RBIs than him, so he's coming alive a little bit. Uh, does this team, uh, does this feel like a team that should have six all-stars because normally that's reserved for some pretty high end stuff. And so we saw it get voted in, uh, Vladdy, uh, Alejandro Kirk, which is awesome. And Alec Manoa, <laughs> so um, awesome. yeah, they get voted in there and that all makes sense. And then Springer gets in, but he pulls out because of uh, some elbow issues that are lingering for him. So he decides he wants to take those couple of days and try and uh, recover a little bit. And then over the course of the weekend, we see Santiago Espinal and Jordan Romano get added as replacements as all kinds of other guys start pulling out or whatever. So in the end, you end up with six guys, uh, whether they're all going or not, that are going to be, you know, that were named all-stars, all from the Blue Jays. And that just feels like an awful lot for a team that's sort of holding down kind of that second wild card and is seven games over five. It just... There's some names there, right? Like you can argue whether there were some other guys that maybe should have got the nod at first base ahead of Vladdy, but he maybe got in on name. I'm fine with that. That's an all-star game thing. We see it all the time. But I look and go, man, there were six guys with Toronto Blue Jays affiliation that at one point or another were named to this all-star game. And that just feels like too many for a team that sort of has kind of muddled its way along here a little bit. Yeah, I I agree with that. But but like you, you said, it's... Uh, a, a good portion of those are, are voted in and it's the all-star game. I, I, I don't know about you, but for me with every sport, the last handful of years, I, I have no interest whatsoever in the all-star. My next Whether question is, baseball, do you care? Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't care. Yeah. I really don't care. And, and, and I'm talking everything like hockey, baseball, yep. football. Like I've, I can't tell you the last time I watched a pro bowl. I, no, I, I yeah. just non-existent. <laughs> the, the NBA, like there's, I, I just don't care. I think it's, 
cool and exciting for the the host city for the kids. And yeah, we always well, hear it's for the like, kids. <laughs> even for me, when it was in Ottawa, like that was that was one of the like I just kind of started working in uh, at twelve hundred uh, within the last couple of years, and uh, that my job that day was to or leading up to the game was uh, there was a media day and I, my job was to like, get interviews mm-hmm. with all the players. So I'm, I'm cruising around the West end, like talking with all the superstars in the league. Yeah. I'm like, this is really cool. And then like it, and it showcases your city and you sure. get the people on the canal and all that stuff. So like, I loved that weekend. That was so cool, but I, I just, I just don't care anymore. Like I just, what like, about I the know, secondary watch stuff? The Major League Baseball All Star Game. What like, about the the dunk competition or the home run derby? No, I like, hate is it that all the now. Skills? I hate it oh, all. You're right on all of it, eh? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I used to love the dunk competition. Yeah. Um, but now, and I don't blame the guys because it's like you got to do something new. Like you can't just jump from the cherry strike and and dunk it. No. So <laughs> and like, like what are you gonna do? But like the props and like like okay, here's like four attempts at this thing that just doesn't we can't end up pulling it off. Like I just, I have got sick and tired of it, but it's, I'm not taking a shot at the NBA no. because I, I didn't watch the NHL skills competition this year. I meant to tune in for the 21. I think that was just called 21 and 22, or it was like the blackjack game or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um, I yes. went to, t- I meant to tune in for that and I missed it. I don't remember why. I don't know if I had my own hockey that night or something, but I, I missed it. And then I watched, I think the last competition was, uh, accuracy shooting so i watched that and i'm like why did i like i just i just spent an hour watching this and it was so boring and so i just i know i don't care i think i'll i'll tune in initially for the home run derby but i won't last long and i'll watch the highlights of it because that's another thing too the home run derby is it's cool yeah but it takes like four hours it's too long way too many guys in it god I used to love as a kid. I loved the home run derby, right? And we've done oh, me too. We've done so many different formats of it now, and uh, you know some of them are kind of cool, some of them aren't. But it's just too many guys, right? Too many rounds, whatever one. Just pick like at max like three guys from each league, um, and narrow it down to one AL and one NL guy. Have one final round and be done with it. Like wrap it up in a tidy like ninety minutes or something. Um, and I'm into that, right? That would be cool. Uh, but yeah, the way it is now, it's just, it's too long. Right. And, uh, and the game itself, I used to, I used to think I was one of those guys who was sort of like the MLB all-star game is better than anyone else's all-star game because it most mm-hmm. resembles a normal game. But even that I'm sort of like, yeah, I'm over it. And and I don't know if that was putting in the, the winner gets the world series thing and then taking it out. I, I don't really know what happened, but I sort of did lose interest. And it might just be man that there's so much baseball. Like I watch almost every blue Jays game. So that's every night from April till September. And the all-star break, maybe for me, is just like, you know what? It's a night to not watch baseball. I'm okay with that. too. That's, right? <laughs> that's how I treat these events too. Is like, I'm watching so much throughout each season it's like, okay, this is an exhibition game. Like I'm going to watch a movie or go out or whatever. Like I'm just going to yeah. turn my brain off Something from other sports than on this. this one night because yeah. it doesn't matter. But yeah, usually for the Major League Baseball All-Star game, I'll like I'll stick around to see if there's a – because typically there's like one Jays representative yes. or two. So Batista's like, first at bat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah, let's stick around and see if Jose, oh, Joey Bass can go yard or something. Yeah. And then it's like, yeah, okay, I'm done. Yeah. 
Uh, Matt Robinson with you, Graham Creech alongside. We're going to get to uh, talking a little NHL in just a second. Uh, don't forget, you can follow us on social media at Talk and Audio. We'd love to hear what you guys think about, uh, about all of this stuff, whether you're going to be watching the All-Star game or not. Uh, before we do, man, one more note on baseball. Uh, Ken Rosenthal reports over the course of the weekend that Juan Soto has turned down 15 years, $444 million from the Washington Nationals, and that will put him on the trade block, as uh, had been reported a couple times earlier in the season that he may be available, he may not be available. Um, There's a lot going on there about whether or not the team is up for sale and, um, you know, what that might mean. Do you want to buy a team that has now locked up one of the best players in the game and have that stability, you know, something there that makes you relevant? Or would you rather buy a team where the old ownership punted that huge salary out the door? You won't have to be the bad guy. Uh, a lot going on there in terms of theorizing on on what a new owner might want. But, man, if Juan Soto is turning down that kind of money, um, I don't know what it's going to take to lock him up. But as a Jays fan, man, are you interested? And what wouldn't what wouldn't you give up to bring Juan Soto to town? Oh, dude. Um, yeah, I... Obviously, terrific ball player, but... Um, and, and only 23 years yep. old. So, yep. Like, I know it's a 15 and 444 jumps out at you know, big time, but um, but he is young. But that, that, it's just, I don't like the anything 15-year contracts. It's just... <laughs> No matter like if you're 21 or whatever, and I understand, uh, I understand the the reasoning for doing it, but I, I it just I have flashbacks to like Rick DiPietro and yes and things like that. Like I just <laughs> they're still something's paying. gonna go wrong. For we talk sure. about Bobby Bonilla every July first. Yes, Rick DiPietro still getting paid every day too. Um, I guess obviously terrific player bats left. Um would help. But I, I honestly, no, I, I would say no. I, I think f- from a Jays perspective, I would, if, if you're going to use a lot of your, your top tier uh, assets to make a move, I, I would rather them fix the pen and, and may, and maybe like, I, I think for me, it's bullpen then starting pitching. And I know a lot of people want to start a starting pitcher because of what's happened with the injuries mm-hmm. and everything and whatnot, but like the, the pen's just being gassed. Like they just, well, and there's no swing and miss there, right? Like you can't be pitching to contact in extra innings. It just doesn't work. It's, you know, right now we got that man on second base. And so Adam Simber comes in, he gets the ground ball, still advances the guy. So you need some swing and miss coming out of the bullpen. But this to me isn't necessarily a trade deadline move for this season. If you're bringing in Juan Soto, this is a yeah. franchise defining. To me, I got to tell you, man, anybody but Vlad and Manoa, and we can talk. I'd give up and to get a guy like Juan Soto into Toronto because you're also having to look at Bichette is going to want one of these. You're probably talking 10 years, 300 some odd million. Vlad's going to want 10 years, 350, 380 million. I like you got to start to build that up and talk. How many of those guys can you have? I assume if Juan Soto's coming in, yeah. Bo Bichette's probably going out would be, I, I imagine. And I assume they would want Manoa, but I, that might be a stopgap for me. Like that might be a place where I'd go. And I know it sounds silly because you've got to give up big pieces to get a guy like Juan Soto, 
But Manoa looks like he could be a start of the rotation guy for like a decade for your team here. And I'm not sure. I'd be the old school mentality wanting yeah. to pitch yep. all the time. Um, it, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I think he's incredible. I just think you're depleting too much of your roster to to bring that in. Like, I, I just do you end up being a better ball club? Right. Be, like, just weighing what what's going out the door to bring it. Like, he obviously he's he's tremendous. He's uh, the childish Bambino. Um, <laughs> childish Bambino. Yes. Um, but it's I, a fair I don't point. Know, don't you don't you think that you're just giving up way too much? Like this this roster already has a lot of studs on. Like just be, strictly speaking, from from offensively, like it's 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 a good roster offensively. Yeah. Um, and, and I just think that that and in other areas, you're just going to be depleting everything to make a move uh, that big. I think you're probably looking at Bichette, Guriel at least two big prospects uh, that are still down on the farm. Arelvis Martinez is probably out the door. Um, maybe Moreno. And then that leaves you, though, still with uh, with Kirk and Jansen behind the plate. You are looking for another outfield piece, but you can find that at the deadline. Uh, Espinal is probably moving to short. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, it's you see that no that package. I feel like I'd be okay with. Yeah, I there's going to be more picks, yeah, in there too. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. Maybe it's Kirk instead of Moreno. I'd still consider that. Like I, I'm not sure yet whether this Kirk is is the real Kirk. If this is going to be what he is permanently, but it's fun right now. So I don't know, man. If the Jays are going to be in, everyone's going to come knocking. If you're actually going to deal Juan Soto and whether the Jays could get that done and. I don't know, but it's it's fun to kick the can on a little bit here. Um, it's been a fascinating week or so around the NHL and, and free agency there. And we've had a couple guests on. I would advise guests to, or uh, listeners to go back, check out episode 989. Uh, Graham Nichols was here. We kicked around uh, the first day or two of free agency and some of the stuff the Sens have done. But uh, it's been a busy week for Pierre Dorian and the rest of the National uh, Hockey League GMs. We'll talk about a few moves that have sort of trickled in here lately, but uh, the one that I know you will be talking about quite a bit on In the Box on TSN 1200 this week is Josh Norris gets locked up long term, uh, eight million, just shy or uh, eight years, just shy of eight million. Have I got that right? Yes, exactly. I think it was a uh, seven point nine five. Yeah. Um, what was your first impression on the Josh Norris deal in uh, in Ottawa in terms of term and and salary? What'd you think of it? Yeah, I, I think. On the surface, it looks a, li- a little bit pricey, but I- I'm not complaining. I think um, he he was a 40-45 goal scorer this year if, if he doesn't get injured. Yeah. Um, and he's proven to do that at, uh, at, at at all levels. And I think at the time of the trade, there was a ceiling on him like, ah, oh, he's going to be a third-line center. And, and, and then after his rookie pro season in Belleville where he had like 30 goals and 30 assists – um, in his rookie pro year, stepping out of Michigan. Uh, oh, okay. M- maybe this guy can be a, a second line center for you. And he's gone out and proven on, on a very weak team uh, in a, in, in a division both years, whether you look at the regular divisions or the one back in Canada, where yep. you're going up against a lot of really superstar centers and, and he held his own and, and turned himself into a number one center. So for me, I don't put a ceiling on Josh Norris. I, I, I just don't do that because it seems like he 
he breaks every ceiling that that's been placed over him. Um, but my, my initial reaction was like, yeah, it was a, a little, a little much, a little bit more than I'd like to see. Just when you, when you consider uh, the number of guys that are going to eventually need new deals, but I'm not, I'm not complaining if they can figure it out. And, and I, I have no reason to believe that he's not going to continue progressing into a really solid hockey player. I, I, I don't, I don't mind it. That's fine. What do you think of the timeline? Because I, I think I'm with you, and we joked actually one of the last times that uh, the you and Bundo were on here. I was actually getting called a uh, a sends homer by Habs Twitter for uh, for saying that Josh Norris was was going to end up being better than Nick Suzuki. Um, well, you're right. I think there's a chance that's true, man. I think yeah, certainly offensively, but uh, I almost wondered. If everything else that Dorian had done here over the last week or so, whether it was unloading Matt Murray and, and bringing in Cam Talbot, whether it was getting Alex to bring it, um, whether it was signing Claude Giroux, almost built this momentum. And maybe this negotiation with Josh Norris would have been a little harder. And maybe, you know, Pierre was sort of like, I don't know, maybe seven two fives a little better. And maybe Josh Norris was like eight two fives a little bit. But all of a sudden you have this momentum and Dorian's like, fuck it, I'm getting this done. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to risk poisoning the first day of training camp with all these awesome new faces in town with the quest. Well, where's Josh Norris? No, fuck that. I'm doing this. I'm getting them locked up. And Norris probably took a look at everything that had happened and said, man, they're building something here. This looks pretty cool. I want to be a part of it. Like, do you think the timing of it was just like both sides going, let's just do this now because like this is awesome? Or do you think this was always likely to fall this week? You know, yeah, I th- well, I don't know this week specifically, but I I know that both sides wanted to this to get this done early in the summer. Like they didn't want this to get anywhere near training camp. Uh, they didn't want the situation that happened with Brady to play out uh, coming into this year. This is a super important year for the franchise as a whole, but specifically Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith, like they're, in my opinion, their jobs are on the line. And if they don't get off to a good start, then, then that's it. Like they, it's five years in a row now where you've missed the playoffs. You can't afford to have another terrible start. So you can't have one of your top two centers um, missing any games or, or just the, any chance of those conversations going south to, I, I thought I always felt it was going to get done early. Right. I, I would not have predicted that it would be on the heels of like a to bring it and Giroux coming in. Sure. But, uh, but no, I, I thought that I, I think both sides wanted to get it done early in the summer. Do you, is this, I asked Graham Nichols the same thing when he was here earlier in the week. Can you remember another week to 10 day period in the history of this franchise quite like this the only thing that uh that Nichols and I were able to come up with was maybe when Heatley came in and it was around the same time you know the same offseason that Hoshik came in and obviously Hoshik didn't pan out but at the time it looked like wow like there's something happening here but in terms of like this bang 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 excitement optimism not just with the pieces that were brought in but a piece or two that was sent out um <laughs> the fan base is feeling good man can you remember the last time it looked no. like this around the sense fan base no the answer is oh just around the fan base yes like there would there's for sure some moments but in terms of like the the roster reconstruction and all that no like there's there's nothing close and um it's it's not just like to and norris and drew and talbot and as you said a couple guys leaving yes it's for me it's like 
this is, and I think a couple people have, have kind of said this as well too, but it's, it's the reputation of the franchise yeah. turning. Like it's, they're no longer like, and I just feel good for sense fans. Like, because they've, they've been through so much bullshit, like on and off the ice uh, in the last handful of years. On where the TCA Twitter it, it, timeline. <laughs> yeah, and every, everything is a joke. Like, oh, you guys, there's two fans in Ottawa. There's two Sens fans and, yeah. and this, and you guys aren't, uh, you're an AHL team. And like, like that's that's gone with what's happened now. Like there's. Well, we didn't like, even mention I'm not Alfie getting into the hall, the yeah, new arena. Yes, exactly. Like, bringing, in, bringing in Ryan Bonus and Wade Redden. And, yeah. Like there's yeah, LeBreton, like Alfie, there's so many things where it's just uh even if even if it's a mediocre season and they don't they don't miss a play or they don't make the playoffs or whatever, like it's it, it feels like the the brand and the reputation of the organization has changed within like a ten day period. And and like a lot of these pieces were there and they've added to it, but it's yep. not, yeah, for me it's it's significant in that way and I I can't compare it to another time. I guess you could throw it heater and, and, uh, and Dom. But for me, I was disappointed. Hosa was going, Hosa was my favorite right, player. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like, yeah, he, Heatley coming in and being the heater and was having back to or two fifty goal seasons that, that like, that was fun and you know, run to the Stanley cup final. But, um, this is, this is, it's bigger than just bringing that one player in. It feels like, no, I think that's right, man. And I, like I sit here and, I look, it's way too easy for me to slam the senators, right? And I'll sit here right now and I've said it on every episode over the last week or so. They've made some really nice moves here. And I've stopped short of saying much more than that because I'm obviously just going to come off as a hater. But they did finish over 30 points outside the playoffs. And I believed, and I've, you know, said this to a few different guests who've been on over the last couple months, that was probably going to be insurmountable. Now, that was before. To bring it, that was before Giroux, um, and I believe absolutely that they're better. Like they've basically added a legit second line that's going to play with Stutzla now, right? Or however you want to mix and match those guys, their top six is legit right now. The defense, eh, you know, we'll see. They're still shopping. There's still talk that a move is coming, and and Sanderson's going to get dropped in there. I don't know about the depth. We'll see, right? I believe this team is better, but you kind of mentioned it there. Is it good enough to to make the playoffs? And that might be where the brakes have to get pumped just a little, that they've absolutely taken huge steps forward, but there was absolutely, in our division, a have and a have not divide, right? Where Buffalo, Montreal, Detroit, and Ottawa were like 30, 35 points back of everybody else. I think this is a huge step in the right direction. I think they've turned the the reputation, if nothing else, the fans. I've seen multiple people on my Twitter timeline alone going, there it is. I said when they started to, you know, do the right things again, I'd buy a pack again. I'd buy season tickets again, whatever it is. I'm seeing those people appear with their receipts and with their uh, people locking it back up. The fan base is reengaged. I do wonder, you know, are they just a top four defenseman away from being right there now with that top four group, or if it does take just a little bit longer, a little bit more growth, where do you think they're at? Yeah, I think it's, it's hard to say and, until you see, um, like it's easy to look on paper and be like, Oh, this, that, that's a dangerous top six. Um, but I, I do believe if they, if they find that legitimate top four D, like if that's something that actually happens, uh, I'll call it, I'll say they're a playoff team. Hey, look I, at this guy. I like it. Bold takes, oh, yeah. man. Yeah. 
Yeah, there. I and here's why. Like, obviously, you added to Brinkett and Drew. Um, you've got you've got a nasty top six now. Uh, but that's not even for me. It's now you have a nasty like top nine. Like Pinto, you're and having Formanton there on the third line. Yeah, Pinto basically didn't play last year. Yeah, uh, there's and and when he was playing at the beginning of the year, he was the pressure of. Uh, not that he showed signs of feeling the pressure, but it was like, okay, this guy's going to jump into the National Hockey League and be our second line center, like straight out of college. Now that's not there. Like he's, he'll be the third line center, and he'll have uh, a guy like a Formington or a Joseph or however it ends up shaking out on on his wings. And like the, DJ can easily roll those guys, and he and he, yeah. he'll like his fourth line with a, a Watson or a Parker Kelly, and like he, he can roll his his four lines, and and I think that'll be deep if they get the blue liner. Um, then I, all of a sudden, like, I, I know a lot of people were kind of down on bringing in Hamannick and, and just the, the circumstances around the return and everything. But it, if he's on your third pair now with, um, whoever it ends up being, if uh, Brandstrom or Holden or whatever, mm-hmm. that's a pretty decent third pair. And if, if Jake Sanderson, like, I think they're just blue the line, price, right. It's did you have to pay that to I, get him? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that, and especially if, if they're of the mind that he's a top four D right. But now like, it seems like that's not their opinion that, that they'd hopefully have him on the third pair, yeah. which I think he's a third pair defenseman. Um, but I, I honestly think the blue line is even before adding this top four defenseman, if they do, I think the D is better through, uh, osmosis and just <laughs> subtraction. Like if Nikita Zaitsev is not on this team, right. Josh, Josh Brown, yeah. uh, guys like that, like Victor I think Mete- they're better oh, already. Yeah. Victor Mette. <laughs> <laughs> I found him. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I, I honestly, I think they're a little bit better on the blue line already just through not playing those guys. Like, I'm not trying to, I, and like, I, I haven't been trying to rag on Nikita Zaitsev for the last couple of seasons, but he's not a top two defenseman. He's absolutely like, not. And, and, and you're saddling him with Shabbat and he's just, he just can't have those minutes and he can't move the puck. He, it's a grenade to his partner every time. Like yep. it just, it impacts everything. So if you remove him and, and guys like that from the roster, like it, it's just going to be better no matter who fills in for them, but if they add that top four D and then the to, just to finish up my point, the goaltending, um, I, I think it's not like the most elite in the league, but I think you have two guys there that can give you quality starts and, and be good enough to, to push you to that, that playoff spot. So I didn't understand. I, I will say they if they get there. the top four D he is, I really didn't. I, I really didn't understand that swap like i get why talbot wanted out of minnesota he was unhappy when they brought in flurry he was unhappy when they re-signed uh flurry i don't really understand what ottawa was doing there like gustafson is still young i think there was a chance he could have turned into something and and by most of the advanced metrics he's sort of slightly above average goalie in the minutes he's played and talbot is just slightly below average like these aren't huge swings i don't really understood understand why Ottawa did that. I guess other than experience, I, I guess that that was I think just a couple reasons. A couple reasons. Number one, I I think Mad Sogard is I think they view him as like their guy, like right. as the next guy. And I, I I obviously I don't know if they believe that Gustafson would be. Uh number two, as I said earlier, this this season is crucial to DJ and to Pierre. And if you go into the year with Forsberg, who Forsberg's been great as a senator, but he's never been 
a starting goaltender waivers less than a year ago yeah, or about a year ago. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows if he can play 50? No, you're right. It's yeah. like, who, who knows? And then if, and Gustafson who had a pretty down year last year, then you're, then you're turning to him to, yeah. to save your bacon. That that's, they needed, they needed to have more confidence than the net minding duo because I guess. if they're yeah. Yeah. two and 10 to start the year, they're not going to have jobs. Did you think that we would be sitting here, speaking of still not having a job, five days into free agency and Nazem Kadri would not yet be signed? What I was, what I would assume is happening then is that Colorado is trying to find a way to yeah. make space to, to bring him back. That would be my assumption. Um, but I, yeah, that's... Because they've already managed to lock up Nachushkin long-term. They managed to hold on Josh Manson long-term. If they can do something else and keep Kadri as well, like, I think... Almost anybody would have said talking it. About two times. At least two out of those three guys were supposed to be gone, was the way everyone was talking, right? Like at the end of the final, there's no way they're going to be able to afford all these guys. Now we'll see um, the goaltending. There's going to be Georgiev and, and Francis, and it sort of seemed like they just decided last year, whatever, like the rest of our team's so good, we'll throw <laughs> whoever we want in the pipes and just run with it. I think you're right. I, I think there are offers out there for Kadri. I would imagine Calgary, after losing out on uh, on Goudreau, would be looking for, for some offense. Maybe New Jersey after, same thing, not getting Goudreau. Like, I think there are teams out there that would be, uh, I know the Islanders apparently were in on him. I think he knows he's got offers in his back pocket for a lot of money, but maybe he's willing to take a little less to stay there, man. And the fact that it's been this quiet for this long and this guy still hasn't signed, I think um, I think he's holding the whole thing up in terms of a few other centers, but I think he's just waiting to see if they can find a way to to make him fit. And man, if they can, unbelievable. Yeah, two-time Stanley Cup champion I if think they so, can, man. I think. Yeah. I think so. Who else? Hard to not like that team. No, honestly, back. man. Who else have you liked in terms of the early on goings there in the uh, in free agency? Um, you know, we've seen a lot of pieces move around, some surprises, whatever. But uh, who stood out to you as someone who's done a nice job here thus far? I'd say New Jersey a little bit. Not, I'm not absolutely in love, but um, but I would expect that team to. That to felt take reactionary to too. me. Like they missed out on Kudrow, so they went and got Palat, and I'm like, those aren't same like i don't know if it was worth i'm not as high as you i guess on on what they've done so no, i'm not high i i just that, that's why i don't i just <laughs> i'm not high <laughs> i'm not high uh no i i'm not like crazy high on what they did i just i i just like that team's progression like yep. i just think that they're taking strides and like i i, I like palat um how do you feel about vivek vanacek there's your new starting mm-hmm. goalie yeah i'm not sure how yeah, that's gonna that, play <laughs> That's why I said I'm not hot. Yeah. I don't know if the goaltending is quite there. And, uh, and we'll see. They need we'll, to we'll find see what if, ends up happening. Uh, yeah. This like back in the fall, we were talking about Mackenzie Blackwood possibly being on the Canadian Olympic radar. Right. So if he could get it back going, I like what New Jersey is building there as well. I think they're headed in the right direction. I've, I don't know. I thought the Palat thing maybe was a bit of a reach for them still, but just my I'll tell opinion. you who will be. I'll tell you who I'm not as high on as as it seems like a lot of the hockey world is. Um, I, I haven't loved Carolina's moves, to be honest. No, eh? And I'm not like I'm not. Uh, sorry, I just can't think of it. What's the name of the defenseman that they? Tony oh, D'Angelo. Yeah, Tony D'Angelo. Like I, I'm not going to talk about his character or off ice stuff or whatever, but just 
what he brought on the ice mm-hmm. um, and, and what, what comes with Brent Burns's tag. And I know San Jose eating what 30% or 33% right, yeah. of that. Um, but, but still he's, he's getting up there in age and I know he brings a little bit different dynamic with, with the shot and the, the physicality and stuff, but how much game does he have left? I like Pacioretty, but I don't love patches anymore. Yeah, I mean, you like, got him for nothing, right? Like that, that's a whole yeah, other story just, too, is what Vegas but, has. But I, I understand that. But at the same time, like, so they, they lose D'Angelo, they lose bear, they lose, um, uh, the guy that signed in, uh, New York, uh, Oh, um, Why am Trocek. I Sunday. Yeah. Vinny Trocek. So like my point, I, I guess I'm not saying I don't l- love the moves that, that Carolina's made. It's more, are, are they better? Like, are, are they, how much better are they yeah. this time last year? Yeah. That's an interesting question. I think the thing with them is that with how good they've been over the last couple of years and been unable to get over the hump, I think last season they only had one guy in the top 50 in scoring. And so I think they're hoping that, you know, if you if you match Brent Burns up with one of their very good stay-at-home defensemen, and if you put Pacioretty on a number one power play with Ajo, maybe you start to push that offense forward just a little bit more. And and I really, I don't hate that gamble. Like, Trocek's fine. I don't understand why the Rangers had to give him seven years like that did not yeah, seven year big of a ticket. either um that's too big of a ticket yeah sure. and to get patch ready for nothing like i think we'll have a conversation here at some point about vegas and their asset management in terms of what they gave up to get tatar and then using tatar plus assets to get patch ready and then just giving patch ready away you start to add him in with guys like nate schmidt and mark andre Fleury of guys they literally just have to unload for nothing because of their cap situation. That's um, a whole other interesting topic. I, I don't mind what Carolina's done. I sort of see what they're doing. Um, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but at least there's a plan there, right? And and we've talked for a while on here about Eric Tolsky and the job he's done. If he's, if he's kind of signing off on that in Carolina, I, I kind of think it might be okay. The one team that stands out to me as interesting as they build Toronto West out there is the Edmonton Oilers. And grabbing, I don't know what they're seeing that Leaf fans aren't seeing in terms of, man, all those former Leaf guys just full of playoff success. We need to get some of that. Um, Jack Campbell lands out there. Greg McKegg signed out there here in the last couple weeks. One of my favorite Leaf names of all time. Uh, Greg McKegg. Yeah, joins Tyson Berry and Zach Hyman and Cody Cece. The whole gang's moving to Edmonton. Um it's interesting that to, to refer to CC as a former Leaf. Like I know. I, I don't even. I don't even think it doesn't that, register. Really, no, it. I get it. It's. Uh, uh, I try not to think about it myself. But there. <laughs> do you think? Like to me, I, I like Jack Campbell more than I like Mike Smith. I didn't like Jack Campbell enough for Toronto in a contending window, which Edmonton's supposed to be in as well. I wouldn't have given Jack Campbell five years. The Oilers were willing to do it. Power to them. I do think it's better than what they had last year. Do you think the Oilers are better than they were this past hmm. season? I, uh, I I do like Jack Campbell better than Mike Smith. I was uh, I'm not a big Mike Smith guy. Um, it's probably a good lad, good teammate, but I <laughs> I was never a fan of how often he played the puck. Like to me, he overplayed it. Yeah, like yes, he's dead. probably the most skilled guy in the league at doing it, but not when you like like pick your spots. Yes. Like he. he the D well, doesn't saw in the need playoffs, you to, to come right? play like it every. He exactly. it up a few times. 
Yeah, and, and just like he, he he'd dive and he'd be a hothead at times and blame guys for like looking to point at guys <laughs> when pucks beat him. So yes. I, I like Jack Campbell there. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I, I I don't see them getting by Colorado, but no. I I think that they're they're probably a better team today. Well, and same with the, Vander Kane was pretty. I was big just too. gonna say, right? We talked about whether you want to get into character or not, and whether or not that's a long term gamble that anyone else wanted to take. Is that why he ended up back there? But there was no doubt that on the ice he was incredibly successful with what they have up front. Yeah, big time. Um, and I was I was one of the few who was a fan of the move at the at the time, like the initial move, because bringing them in, yeah. I, I, I couldn't understand why people were against it. I'm like, okay, well, if this guy's a donkey and a clown in the dressing room, you can cut him and say goodbye because he's making a prorated like league minimum or whatever. Like he was making prorated like a million dollars or whatever yeah. it was he signed for. It was it was nothing. Like yes. okay, he comes into the locker room and he's he's being a clown. Okay, see you later. You're gone. They they just acquired a guy who was, I think, what he was on track to score fifty goals, and they didn't give up anything to acquire him, and they signed him to as little money as you possibly can. I think even uh, it, I, it was I the outside. I think even the outside the locker room stuff is what was holding people up there. Some of the other things he'd been accused of, oh, right? hundred percent. But that's why I was like, it's not like they signed him to a seven year deal. Like right. they they signed him for the remainder of the season for change. Yep. Like yep. If it doesn't work, see you later. Who then? And it obviously worked big time. Um, now and obviously, now he's going to have to live up to it long term. And... Totally, but but I feel like for me, there is if they were willing to bring him back, then they must not have any issues with the character. Or I they, think like, that's right. I I think one of the things he no doubt because he had been given permission to go and talk to other teams before free agency opened. I think he probably got the sense that no one else was quite willing to go where Edmonton was. And Edmonton was probably only willing to go there because we've had him here. We've spoken to him. He's been in our room. For a lot of teams, Evander Kane is the unknown, right? The the devil you know versus the devil you don't kind of thing. And whereas Edmonton, whether they, in the end, get proven to be right or wrong remains to be seen. But they were like, well, that wasn't so bad. Like, we can live with that. Whereas other teams would be like, we don't know what this is going to look like, if that makes any sense. Like, I think Edmonton was just sort of like, we're comfortable with this. We can do it. Whether it was Washington or who was the other team big rumored in to be uh, in on him, maybe went, ah, I don't know if it's, if we're comfortable doing this. This is sort of my takeaway with it anyway. Why don't we, uh, just before we wind things down, Matt Murray is a Toronto Maple Leaf. Am I, uh, I have said a couple of times now, we've done a couple episodes. I did one solo show by myself as soon as the, uh, the news was announced. I said, I can't get there. I'd woke up on the Monday morning and I'd seen the reports and I just spent the rest of the day assuming Ottawa would eat 50%. So I spent the day looking at his advanced statistics and his underlying analytics and everything else that's gone into this and going at three point whatever million, is this a worthwhile gamble? Then it turns out Ottawa's only keeping 25%. So now it's a $4.7 million freaking gamble. And I just can't get there, man. It seems- I wonder what you think of this. <laughs> I don't love it, man. And I, I can't get there. I don't understand what they're doing in a window. I, I'm sure they believe that if they can get him right, he has a higher upside than any of the other options that were out there. But I think that's a huge risk, man. I don't know what they see that the rest of us don't that makes them think this guy 
could go back to starting 45 to 50 games and being a an above average goaltender. If he is, then Dubas will look like a genius. He'll have saved his job. We'll all have to eat shit on this. But I don't see it. You saw him more than I did last year, man. Is there any chance at all that this is going to pan out for Toronto? You know what they see? They see a red and white jersey with a white logo and a greyhound yeah. uh, in full stride. Yeah. That, that, that's what they see. Um, I I thought like when whenever when everything started free agency uh, that that whole wacky period, I'm like, okay, Toronto's got to go for Georgiev. Like that's sure, that's yeah. got to be the guy. You're gonna have to give up an asset, of course, but uh, this is a team that. They need to win a Stanley Cup. Like, forget about getting out of the first round. Like, they, this team is supposed to be competing Contender. for a Stanley Cup. Yep. So, when I, I, I just expected them to do, and maybe they did push for her and and just weren't able to meet him at asking price or whatever the circumstances were. But I, I thought I'm like, okay, Georgiev needs to be their target here, and and he's not, he's not proven. Like, it's not a sure thing that he's going to be nope. this absolute stud. But that's that was my feeling just based on what his ticket would be and uh, his potential right. um, to see them turn to Matt Murray. And I understand the, understand that they, they probably would have preferred Jack Campbell, but couldn't go um, the term that, that he wanted. Yeah. But I just, I can't, I, I just can't understand putting, putting all your eggs in this basket with your job on the line and, and expecting, the playoff success, and I know he could go. Bell, he's a he, he's a playoff goalie, and he's got two Stanley Cups. I don't know. I, I don't know if that player's still there anymore. I don't either, man. I, mean, I, I wish him well. Like he sure seems like a great I'm guy. Not rooting against him, no. I, I look at this, and I last year the Leafs had a record. I believe it was nineteen, twelve, and one in games where they had sub eight eighty five goaltending. So this is a team that is good enough to get by with mediocre to bad goaltending. Because it was a stretch there with Shalgren and Campbell for like two and a half months. Wasn't any good after his injury. And it was a mess. If you would have went out and spent like $1.8 million, and this is going to sound ridiculous, man, but I mean this, on Kevin Lankinen, just a guy that's fine. He's not great. His ceiling is so much lower than Matt Murray's. You know, if Matt Murray's healthy and playing at his best, Matt Murray is obviously the far superior goaltender, but you have a far better chance of getting Kevin Lankin in every night. Thomas Grice, Semyon Varlamov, just a guy to give you league average goaltending and then just trust this team. And I understand that for some reason the narratives won't die, that they're bad defensively. They are not bad defensively. They have a good defense. Their analytical numbers on D have been top 10 in the league for the last year and a half. You just need a guy. And to go out and bet everything on Matt Murray, who might not even... I'm not necessarily worried about how Matt Murray plays. I'm worried about whether Matt Murray plays, right? Like, how often is he in the net for you? And then I'll worry about whether he's any good or not. I uh, Those are the names I was looking at, man. Thomas Grice, Kevin Lankin, and Semyon Varlamov at the top end, right? Like, just just a guy. Yeah. Like you said, Georgie. I don't know if I right? feel you on the, the, the Lankin and, and Grice. But you know what um, I'm saying. Yeah. I 
I think Matt Murray did play a, a handful of good games last year. Like after the demotion to to Belleville, which he was very upset with, uh, not only yeah. the fact that he was sent to the American Hockey League, but the circumstances in which they played out. But he he came back and and he was big he was Belleville terrific. guy, His man. First... I went to college there. There's nothing wrong with going to Belleville. <laughs> Bell Vegas. Uh, his his first game back was against the Leafs. I think it was on New Year's Day or like a day after. Yeah, New that's Year's right. And, yeah. uh, and he got he got shelled, but it wasn't even his fault. Like the team was brutal. It yep. was easily their worst game of the year. Yep. And then after that, he was he was solid, um, but he just he couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't. The the coaching staff and and his teammates couldn't trust that he'd be available for them. Uh, so I, I just don't know if he's going to be there. And, and like, even, even if he is, and he's, I, I know what the support staff, how many times did he mention that in his uh, introductory yeah. zoom hit? Um, so even if he's available and he, and he, and he's, he's over these, these injury problems that he's been dealing with, he's also in the last three or four seasons played some stretches of terrible hockey. Yes, he has. So I, I don't know. I will. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. But it feels like uh, I don't know if Dubis will get another chance to make another yeah goaltending move. I I just I I always get accused of blue goggles and seeing everything on a. Uh, this is a bad move. It's an unnecessary risk. It's a bad risk. It's I don't know what they're uh, what they're doing. And even if it is a Greyhounds thing, which is right now they deserve all the Greyhound jokes they're getting, but. You don't know him. You knew him, right? Like you knew him eight years ago when you were all in Sault Ste. Marie. That guy's been through some shit since then, physically, emotionally. Um, that's not the same guy you're getting now. And uh, we'll see if they can be miracle workers, but they don't have a very good history right now in terms of uh, the goalies they bring in. And uh, it was less than a couple of days after you pulled the heist of the century unloading Peter Morazic by just moving back a few spots in the draft and going, wow, nice cl- way to clean that up. And you just turn around and give all that cap space away. Plus some <laughs> to map. How is, uh, how's leaf nation taking this? Are not they, good, um, not good. Not that. That's what I figured, but I, I've seen some tweets where it's like, oh yeah, he's a, uh, he's one, two Stanley cups, like yeah. positive. And, and I, I, I guess you you're gonna get that with the fan base, but I, I got to feel like the overwhelming, feeling is uh you know what it is more than anything else in terms of the people that i follow man that aren't necessarily the the hair trigger whatever it's just confusion like shocked that you this is where you turn there was no one else that like go find harry sateri again like you tried at the end of the (laughs) almost anything but it people are just baffled yeah man people are just baffled that this is where we've landed and so Look, once camp starts, I'll no doubt I'll find a way to get behind this, right? I'm pulling for this guy. I want it to work, obviously. But right now I, I look at it and go, I, I don't know what you're thinking here. I don't I don't know what you're seeing here because it, it just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. And we'll see what uh what Ilya Simpsonov as well can uh, can bring us. We may see a little bit more of Eric Schalgren before we were expecting to um by November and, and that'll mean Dubas's grand plan has gone down in flames. If uh, if that's where we stand by November, it's going to be Sens and Leafs in round one, and Ottawa's going to have home ice. Something's got to give, man. 
Toronto can't win around. Ottawa can't beat Toronto in the playoffs. Something's got to give. The movable object versus the stoppable uh, force is, is what we'll be seeing. Uh, creature, man, appreciate you doing this. Anything else we need to get to on this one? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. All right. Well, this is where we'll wind things down. Uh, I appreciate you you know, stepping in. I know you had uh, had to big time us a little bit there on the last UFC show when uh, when Bunda, thank God, stayed in. And, uh, and <laughs> I don't remember what you had going on, pickleball or whatever the hell is happening there. Or something. <laughs> no, it was golf. It was golf. All right. All right. Uh, it was men's league golf. It was men's night. It was pickleball. Yes, I've, I've subbed. I've subbed in the Bell Media pickleball match. I've I've been a spare to help them out, but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't miss you and Bunda for uh, for subbing for pickleball. I would hope not. What what is this thing, man? Is it is it like it's, tennis? It is, is it like what's pickleball? It's like um, I would say a combination of tennis and ping pong. Okay. Oh, okay. But ping pong, like. Um, not on a table, okay. on a on a tennis court. All right. Um, like you have a you have a racket, and uh, it's similar, I guess, to to a paddle, uh, a ping pong paddle. Um, you play on a tennis court, or well, the, you play on a pickleball port court, but for the most part in Ottawa, um, and at the free courts, there are tennis courts with uh, pickleball d- dimensions painted on them. Just like if you were going to go to a gym in a high school where it's like, you got the volleyball and you got the... Right, the basketball. Uh, There's a thousand lines basketball. all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's like that, but it's 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 a lot of fun. I uh, So I Matt Scooby was all over me to play and um, I, I just couldn't commit the time uh, to play in the league and I said I'd be a spare, so I, I spared for him a couple times and in my, my first game, I'm like, yep, uh, I'm in. So he, Scooby's got a, he's got two leagues in the summer. One that goes, one that's like wrapping up right now. I think the championship match is this week. Oh. And then he's going to start the league over again. And I'm going to be a full pickleball participant. <laughs> he's all in, eh? All right. I'm all in. It's fun. It's fun. Well, you mentioned that this is a Bell Media League. We'll take this opportunity uh, for listeners who've stuck around all the way through to mention that uh, next week, uh, a, a guest I've been trying to get for a very long time, and who is a full-fledged member of this uh, pickleball league, Patricia Bowles is going to be on the uh, on the oh, podcast nice. uh, next week. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I've been wanting to have uh, have her on the show for quite a while, and our good uh, mutual friend Steve Bunda set that up for us and uh, and exchanged the uh, the contact info. So uh, Patricia is going to be on the show, yeah, next week sometime. We're just uh, nailing down the final details, man. It's going to be fun. But uh, creature, appreciate you stepping in and doing this, man. I gotta, no, I got to cut in. I got to yeah, cut yeah, in before you means. say goodbye. Trish is a great pickleball player. Yeah. Yes, she's uh, she's awesome. She's one of the top players in the league. Okay, well, we'll have to ask her about her. Uh, we'll check the uh, the stats at the end of the season here, and uh, when she's in studio, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll ask her how that's come together, how her season went, but. Uh, Man, I appreciate you doing this. Graham Creech is on uh, in the box ten to two every day on TSN twelve hundred. Uh, anything else we want to uh, we want to pimp here? Or no, promote? that's good, man. Yeah. I uh, I wish I could have joined you guys for the the last UFC card that you guys did. Oh, uh, I ended up card. buying that by myself, yeah. and it was uh, it was uh, it, well, actually, it, it, I was hyped for the card, yes. and some of the fights didn't live up to the hype. That's right. Some of them did. Yep. No, you're right. That was one that at the end of the day, you guys peer pressured me into buying as well. Uh, once <laughs> we did it to each other. 
Well, Bunda was up at, I guess, up at his cottage, so he said the internet wasn't reliable enough. He had to pay, so then you were like, fuck, I'm in. I'm like, well, I can't be the only <laughs> asshole who's not doing it, right? So uh, that's how that goes. But uh, we'll look for a good one. We'll do one in studio here and uh, here in the next uh, month or two. But uh, as always, buddy, appreciate you making the time. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. For Graham Creech, my name's Matt Robinson. This has been episode 990 of the Talkin' Audio podcast. Give us a follow on social media at Talkin' Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're hearing us right now. We will catch you all Wednesday morning with our buddy Chris Hoffley from the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group. listening make sure to subscribe to tall can audio on your favorite podcast app and find us on social media at tall can audio